Thompson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli, spin, grips, goal, superb from the Eagles. Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's show, we'll dissect a shocking effort against Port Adelaide, find out who's pushing for selection from the Beagles and preview our tough trip to the Cattery to face the top of the table, Geelong. Uh, but I'm joined this week by two very familiar faces. Firstly, please welcome Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, we're recording while there's a game on because it's difficult at the moment to find any time when there's not a game on. There was like, uh, what, probably about four or five hours went past after the end of, what was it, round five, and now it's round six. I mean, it's kind of yep. good. It's very good, but Jesus, there's a yeah, lot of... Yeah, it's excellent for a footy fan. Yeah, more of a dash, though. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. Also joining us this week is Mr. KK. Welcome back. How are you? Uh, good to be back. Um, Mr. Week, and we've gotten out of football, apparently. So, you know, we, we often joked at the front half of the season, or the, the early episodes, I should say, that uh, you were some sort of curse, or you had to reverse jinx us, but... Look what happens. You don't come on and uh, we turn that effort in. So permanent position on the pod is all yours. Yeah, apparently it's not me. Gents, look, as Miguel just touched on, round six is already underway. So round five is in the books. Uh, and the Eagles threw out a pretty disappointing effort against Port Adelaide on Good Friday last week. West Coast, eight goals, five, 53. Were defeated at home by Port Adelaide, 13 goals, 17, 95. Led off somewhat by inaccurate kicking from Port Adelaide. This one... Could have been a bloodbath on the scoreboard, and Miguel, it certainly felt at the ground like it was a bloodbath in reality. Yeah, you said it was a disappointing effort, and I, I'm not sure effort's the right word to use because there wasn't much of it. It seemed we were, yeah, very. Um, what's the opposite of hungry? Um, whatever it is, we were the opposite of it. Yeah, just second to the ball all the time. Uh, there wasn't a lot of movement um, sitting up. I, I sit up in the top deck, so you know you can see. You, know, you can see where players are moving, and when we had the ball, there wasn't a lot of sort of creating space and leading. Everyone just sort of trudged down the line, and there was a kick down the line that was, um, you know, either turned over or punched out of bounds, and a, a, um, a clearance set up, a, a throw-in set up, and um, yeah, it was just really stagnant, um, really disappointing to watch. Uh, and I don't know how much of it can, the weather can be blamed for. Um, certainly didn't help, but there was yeah, just. Um, a real lethargic look about the side, and it's you know, the, the second straight week that we've turned in a really poor performance. Luckily, we're one win and one loss from that, but yeah, it's a bit worrying at the moment. So before the ball was bounced, we, you know, news filtered through in the middle of the afternoon that Tom Brass was going to be a late out, uh, which we'll touch on a little bit later on in the pod. Uh, Will Schofield coming in? We've had a few chats over the last week whether. Rotham or Schofield would get the nod should there be a laid out in the back line. Schoey came in, sort of a more like-for-like, like, I suppose, with the key position. But this game wasn't really about the defence at all, to be honest. Uh, Miguel, you touched on it there. And KK, I think the writing was on the wall for our midfield in the first couple of minutes. I feel like several minutes went past before we even got possession of the ball. 
Yeah, it was about as bad a start as you can get without being flogged on the score, but we were just pinned down one end of the ground and you kind of had that, oh, is it going to be one of those nights feeling? And and it was, yeah, <laughs> just a shocking game from start to finish. I'm glad Miguel sort of touched on the, the effort and the spread. One of the, the drawbacks of watching on TV is you only really see the structures immediately around the ball. You don't see how what teams are doing elsewhere, but certainly on TV, it just seemed that Port were better structured and worked harder. And if you do that in this day and age when the competition is so even, then you're going to do that. Um, they did handle the conditions a lot better than, than we did. Some of the, I remember one particular time in the third quarter where someone did a five-meter handball to Vardy on his chest and he dropped it and then Five seconds later, Boke hand-passed Powell Pepper's feet on the run and he just won, grabbed it, and off he went. And So he handled it better than we did, but we were looking terrible even before the rain came. I think it's a bit of a cop-out if you're going to try blaming the conditions. The, the biggest thing for me is that I just got sick and tired of watching two or three consecutive contests 30 or 40 metres apart where Port had more numbers at every single one of them. And that that is purely down to effort. We can't be structured that badly. So it was really disappointing. And Craig comes back to, out of five games, what, what our true form line? We've had two fantastic wins, um, one awful win and two and awful losses. And we're probably not alone in that in that boat, but it's really hard to get a bead on, on where we're going. Yeah, KK, look, you mentioned about the structures, and what was really disappointing for me was something that I've seen a couple of times uh, in in our teams, even since last season, when we were obviously the premiers are obviously playing good footy, but it's still something that plagued us, which is it seems like we couldn't get any options forward of the ball once we actually eventually got the footy. Uh, now, maybe this was because we had to commit so many people to the contest to even win the ball in the first place. But I remember distinctly the Carlton away game last year. This is the one I always go back to. And we saw a little bit of it at the start of the season against GWS as well, where you get guys finally getting possession of the footy and then they have to double back. They have to, you know, stop or pause or kick sideways or whatever because there is literally nobody forward of the ball. And that was a structural issue that plagued us all throughout the game. The key example of which was I think Liam Ryan had the ball coming out of the back flank and he's trying to burst away and find something to do with it. And he's basically pinned along the boundary line. He's still having to dodge and weave and stop and go backwards in between defenders and all of this because we didn't have any options. Uh, now, Miguel, we'll obviously get on to Jack Petricelli, who was a very bright silver lining in an otherwise shocking day. But putting him to one side for the moment, the forward play this week was really, really disheartening. You know, the, the actual output from the guys, I think Kennedy was the only one who kicked a goal. Cripps wound up with five touches, Darling six touches, Allen nine, and a lot of those seemed like they were early. Uh, Liam Ryan did work hard, as I've just touched on. But our forward line, we couldn't get the ball up there at all. We couldn't certainly get the ball up there in our usual coordinated way. It seems like we were just trying to spring everything over the top. So how did you see our forward group? And, and was it a matter of conditions too tall or, or was it just not the day for it? What, what happened there? Um, they were really starved of opportunities. We only did we only got it in there 38 times. Um, but, yeah, as, as you said, um, the forwards were sort of all getting dragged up to the contest. Uh, it was leaving big gaps. You know, the only – you mentioned Petrocelli and really the only um, – time we we looked dangerous was when there was basically an open 50 metres and his teammates just sort of popped it up into space and relied on him to you know 
win a one-on-one race with his uh, with his opponent, which you know he's always going to do just about. Um, and that's how he he probably got the majority of his goals were you know getting back and uh, his teammates just allowing him to run onto it. Um, so yeah, it is it's you know really worrying that uh, the other guys didn't really fire a shot. Um, you can maybe give a a pass to the the key forwards because it wasn't a night for them and they weren't getting any delivery, but um, Cripps in particular really disappointing and, and second really quiet game in a row for him um, after uh, he, he burst back in the, the Collingwood game. Um, I sort of I had to check my phone at one stage in the third quarter to see whether he'd gone off injured because I just hadn't noticed him for so long. Um, Ryan was, was one who was really getting sucked up the ground. Um, he played quite well, I thought, but he didn't get really any opportunities other than I, I think he kicked one goal in the first quarter, did he? Other than that, you know, his, his touches were sort of coming up on the wing and, um, yeah, we just we weren't getting the ball in there at all. I don't know how much difference the the height would have made you know, if we dropped maybe Oscar Allen and played a small forward in there. Um, I think, yeah, we just didn't get the ball in there enough. I think there was a big issue with our approach play, which I, I did just touch on there, I know. But, you know, it dawned on me there was times in the first quarter where Kennedy's had to push all the way up to give us an option out of the back line or after kicking a point, let's say. And I'm looking up the field and it's Ryan is the deepest bloke or Sheed was even the deepest bloke at some points. And it seemed even right from the off that our strategy was get the ball, get it the hell away from the back line and try and spring it over the top, which is really disappointing because it's not us. Uh, I can't recall a time it's worked. And you see teams like Richmond pull that off quite successfully, but they've got massive numbers coming through, not just, you know, hit and hope and, and hope that your guy can win a foot race. Because not everybody is Jack Petrocelli, but KK, that does bring us nicely on to Jack Petrocelli, who, as I mentioned, was the clear standout. Uh, he's been given the Rising Star nomination for the week. 18 touches, five goals. Now, I'm not sure where you stood on him preseason. Myself, I know that I was somebody that thought, yep, great, great athlete, all the physical attributes you could want. Uh, to make an impact and, and be that mid-sized forward that can really, you know, be a bit of X-factor. But let me see him do it at AFL level. Well, he shut me the hell up because his last month of footy has been really, really impressive. He knows how to use his pace. He's now got that statement game in his locker. How did you see his game? Yeah, it was a breakout game for him. But as you say, he's been pretty consistent over the last month or so and he certainly exceeded my expectations. I, I kind of thought he was a um, bit of a a luxury that we could afford to, to have in the team from time to time, but he's really been a key element the last few weeks. Um, I think it's great that he had such a good game in the game where the rest of the team was thrashed. I think in his sort of position, it's a bit easy to get like a five-goal haul in a blowout where most of the game's played in junk time and you can get over the back, but he had our whole, our whole score up to half-time. It wasn't like he just... Holding on the goals once the game had finished, he was involved from from the start, and really glad he got the Rising Star nomination. And I think he's yeah he's a fixture in the team for for a while now. Miguel, we also got the hilarious result of him uh, kicking a goal after the siren, which not as exciting as our recent efforts against Port, but hey, at least that trend lives to fight for another day. What did you see out of Petrocelli this week? I didn't pick up on that, um, but his goal after the siren did uh, did avoid the Eagles setting their lowest ever score at um, Optus, so that was handy. 
Yeah, he was good. Um, he's really started to use his uh, to learn how to use his strengths. Um, you know, all the talk in the preseason was that he you know, he'd start and he was going to come in and, and um, make an impression. And yeah, you sort of you wonder whether he would be you know, first first on the chopping block when when someone like Cripps came back in or when you know, Rioli came back in. But he really that spot now. Um, and yeah, good to see. KK, early in your in your opening comments, you discussed the wet weather being a little bit of a cop out, which I think is probably fair. Uh, this idea that the Eagles can't play in the wet is something that we will want to put to bed pretty quickly, though. So, given that it was fairly predictable, it was going to be a wet game. We all knew, you know, the week in advance, it was going to be quite a slick footy. Do you think that the selection policy is something the club needs to have a little bit of a look at, or are we just going to continue to play our game and and sort of to hell with the forecast or to hell with trying to match what the opposition's doing? I think they do need to take a bit more of a horses-for-courses approach, but you're probably looking at one player difference out of the 22, and no one in our team seemed to be able to catch a footy on Friday. The There were uncontested marks. They were taking two or three grabs. We had Duggan just fumble the ball. He's unmarked in the forward line, and it just seemed to be a, a bit of a, a disease that ran through the whole team, and Maybe wet weather is our new MCG hoodoo that once it's rain, we've got this mentality that we're going to struggle in it. I think the other thing to note is that Ford's changes from the previous week, they dropped Motlop and brought in Todd Marshall. So they actually went taller than they were the week before. Mm. And they didn't seem to have any problems in the weather. And all their guys just were so much cleaner around the ball. And it wasn't just our tall players that couldn't grab it. No one could. So I think we may we yeah, maybe we're too tall, but it really is it's one player difference. Um and we'll talk about changes this week and seeing what the weather's gonna be like down in, in Geelong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh the changes this week are gonna be a massive component of, of the discussion around the game. Just lastly on the Port Adelaide game, I know you touched on uh Pal Pepper earlier, you know, a bit of clean passage of play. I was blown away to find out that he only had 19 touches because sitting at the ground, and I know he's a pretty, uh, I suppose, easily identifiable bloke. You know, you can you can tell when he's got the footy as opposed to a couple other players might look fairly similar or whatever, but far out. Could somebody get in the same postcode as him? I swear to God, every contest he was just going to pick it up and bolt out every single time. It felt very inevitable. Miguel, any, any final thoughts on the Port Adelaide game from you? Otherwise, let's just put this one in a box and throw it to the bottom of the ocean because that was bloody terrible. Yeah, in the bin. I was going to say, Mast- Maston got in the same postcode as him at least once. Oh, yeah. That was out. probably a highlight of the game. That was good. Um, didn't do a lot for the, you know, I suppose atmosphere and mood in the thread because then the Maston stuff was on for uh, on for all money, but that was probably the biggest impact or the biggest collision that he set himself up for in, in recent memory. So, yep, fair play. Good comment. <laughs> Look, as Miguel said, let's chuck the Port Adelaide game in the bin and we'll look a little bit forward down the line. Now, with that, we come to the Waffle Watch for this week. There's going to be plenty of interest in who comes in and who performed well in this game. And unfortunately, the conditions were a little bit you know, less than ideal yet again. Obviously, the Beagles played on the same day as West Coast. 
But in the end, they've run a pretty close loss to Subiaco, who are a powerhouse in the waffle. So it's actually a fairly positive result on paper. The Beagles, 6-9-45, were defeated by Subiaco, 8-12-60. My understanding is that it was pretty back and forward all day and Subi kicked three goals at the end to, to rip the game away. Now, Miguel... With the waffle this week, as I touched on, look, there's obviously going to be a bit of keen interest, and there's a few guys who have put their hand up for selection. Waterman was out with a hamstring. Schofield was obviously held over for the Eagles, as was Rotham. So it was a bit of an undermanned performance. But despite all of that, uh, Jared Brander had probably his best showing of the season, 23 touches and two goals. And uh, Matt Allen was pretty solid again with 21 disposals. They're probably the two big leads from uh, from the waffle. So tell us your thoughts on those guys, and then we'll have a little bit of a look through the squad uh, later on. Yeah, um, I'll caveat all this by saying I didn't get to um, didn't get to the game. Uh, it wasn't on TV, and it wasn't even on radio, as far as I could tell. So this is all sort of coming from stats and reports. But yeah, Brander um, certainly sounded like he had a um, a really good showing. Um, he kicked two goals, and you'd think, well, you know, if Brandon's kicked two goals, he's probably playing as a forward. But I think he still played as a um, sort of as a wingman. Um, got 23 touches, uh, six marks, and his two goals came from outside 50, which you know, in uh, in what were pretty terrible conditions on the um, Friday, and you know, poor conditions for a guy that's six foot five. So that's yeah, really pleasing that that he's gone back and done that. Um, Alan has put a few, Matt Allen's put a few good um, performances in a row together. Uh, he's been travelling emergency once. He's he's really knocking on the door. Um, Keegan Brooksby's probably another one that had, um, stats-wise at least, had a, a really good game, um, 21 possessions and 42 hitouts. I don't know who Subi Ruckman is this year because they lost Zach Clark, but he he's... Um, yeah, Brooksby's he's been really up and down. Um, he's either had you know, absolute ripper games or he's been completely smashed. So, I don't know, difficult to know what you're going to get from him. Timothy Sutherland led the hitouts for Subiaco for whatever that's oh, worth. Oh, OK. Yeah, Sutherland and Della Hunty backing him up. Yeah, 18 uh, and 10. So, I mean, the hitout numbers in the waffle seem ridiculous. Every time I have a look at the stats page, I'm blown away by the pure volume of them. But, uh, yeah, Eagles definitely got the better of the uh, Lions in that department. Yeah, so I suppose we'll get to changes, but um, I, I think they're the ones that are sort of really putting their hand up. Um, did you want me to run through the rest of the squad? Or uh, Yeah, yeah, if you would. I I'm mean, we've got, we've got a couple of, the, I suppose, the key people to talk about. You know, Archie, uh, Brooksby, you touched on. But I think before we run through everybody and just, and just go through the stats page, I think the one I want to talk about most is Jared Cameron. He's only wound up with six touches, but he has kicked a goal. And given there was a bit of frustration with the forward line, we've obviously just discussed it then. There have been a few little rumblings that maybe some people are going to want him to come in uh, for this week. So maybe not on the back of the Subi game, but in general from the Waffle season, give us your thoughts on, on Jared Cameron and what he could bring. Look, I mean, he, he looked really good in the JLT game um, against uh, Geelong at, at um, Leadville. Uh he then, I think, hurt his ankle. Um, he's come back from that. He's been, the first two Waffle games, he's been pretty, um, he did some eye-catching things in the, the Peel game at Optus. Um, uh, Perth, Perth in round one, he was just about non-existent and, yeah, only six touches against Subi, but did kick a goal. Um, yeah, look, I, I would like to see him in the side sooner rather than later. And it's, it's certainly, um, an issue that we've got. 
uh, in that that small forward position um, with you know, Willie Rioli still being uh, hopefully at least five weeks away. Um, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, we'll get onto that in a minute for sure. Yeah. Um, hopefully for my sake. Uh, but so yeah, would like to see him come in. Um, maybe not this week. You know, it's be on a hiding to nothing coming in you know, for a game against Geelong at Cadinia Park. So um, yeah, would would like to see him maybe turning in you know, a couple more. Um, consistent performances at waffle level before we see him uh, get promoted. Uh, another quiet week for Daniel Venables, which is pretty unfortunate. Just the 11 touches for him. Frankie Watson had 13, which is you know solid. It's difficult, as you touched on, without having really seen the footage or even heard it to see how the game played out, just going off reports. But he's another yeah. one that should be fairly close to the side. You'd expect him to continue to be listed as an emergency some weeks. Uh, Josh Smith had what appears he to be... Had a, he had a... Sorry, just on Watson, had a, a death in the family the week before and, um, yeah, not sure where his head's at, but, yeah, um, good to see him back playing and hopefully he's um, he's able to get himself right. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, he was an emergency for that uh, Fremantle game and then was a late out from the emergencies as a result of the family uh, problems, I suppose. Josh Smith appeared to have quite a quiet game, certainly his quietest of the three. Uh, Stats-wise, just the 14 for him. Uh, Luke Foley, 14 touches and a goal. Xavier O'Neill has wound up with 15 touches. So, look, there's there's a couple of guys in there that you'd want to, you know, give them a little bit more time, a little bit more burn at the waffle level. But there are a couple of guys now at the top end that seem to be really trying to force their way into the side. Which, which we will certainly get to when we get to our Geelong changes. KK, given that we've had a couple of weeks of evidence now, do you think it's maybe time for somebody like a Brander to, to come back into the side? We've obviously seen him in short shifts at the AFL level, but uh, on a wet day, he seems to have had a pretty solid outing as a wingman. Is he somebody you'd be giving a crack this week? Uh, without giving too much away, absolutely. I would have Brander in the team this week. I think for more insert, he's... Looked good when he has played in um, in games, and I think he's lost some flexibility as well. He can play a few different roles. Uh, Miguel, any closing thoughts on any of the blokes pushing up from the Beagles, or otherwise we can lean into it a little bit more heavily when we get to the Geelong game? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I suppose um, yeah when we get to selection. Um, yeah, no, I'll leave for that. Uh, uh, Bailey Williams, um, quiet game from him, but did um, start... Uh, giving Brooksby a chop out in the ruck uh, in the absence of uh, Patrick Bynes, who um, hasn't actually been selected the last couple of weeks. So he's uh, was hinted at um, just before round one that the, the club was trying to get him permission to play in a, another side's reserves because he wasn't quite up to um, to waffle senior level yet, having come from a basketball background pretty late. And, uh, yeah, so he's uh, – Bynes is – um, nowhere to be seen at the moment uh, on game day because you know, we've got a pretty good injury list and um, pretty deep team and he just can't get in. But, yeah, Bailey Williams um, recruited as sort of a ruck forward. Uh, that's a position that's possibly up for grabs at the moment. And, um, yeah, hopefully we um, see a bit of development from him over the next few weeks and maybe he'll start knocking on the door for selection. Would be a very big positive into the side. Uh Beagles back in action this weekend, 1pm on Saturday at Claremont Oval, up against the ladder leaders in Claremont. So, you know, a bit of synergy there between the uh, between the Waffle and the AFL sides, both going up against the top of the table. Looks to be a pretty clear day uh, on Saturday. Did I pay you to pay that? Uh, pay you to say that, that Claremont are top of 
No, I, I, I know. I can't believe I'm giving him a freebie, but they are, and there's no disputing it. So we'll um, we'll see where the Beagles sit. You know, they ran Subi fairly close, but nice clear day on Saturday. So both teams, you'd hope, would be at their absolute best. So we can have a really good run at where the Beagles sit in the waffle this year. <laughs> Moving on to some injuries, big bit of news this week. We touched on it earlier. Tom Barras was a late out. The club said that he pulled up a little bit sore after the derby and were hoping to give him a bit of a rest and give him every opportunity to play on Friday. And as it turns out, he's going in for surgery and he will be out for some time. KK, it was a little bit of a difficult one to see coming, but we've we've seen a couple now. We'll get on to Rioli in a moment, but we've seen a couple of these foot stress injuries and a few people have pointed the finger at the Optus Stadium turf. Uh, how big of a loss is Tom Brass? And from an administration point of view, is there something we need to be doing about this? We can't keep dropping dropping soldiers just because the turf's a bit hard. Yeah, I think the club can work behind the scenes on that one, but we do have to play half our games there. And uh, our purple friends down the road seem to be immune to it at the moment, so I'm not sure exactly what's what's going on there. Maybe they're doing something different. I think it's making my pre-season call of Barras for All-Australian looking a little unlikely, it's fair to say. Oh, yeah. Um, that sucks. Yeah. Well, every big call I make blows up my face, so <laughs> nothing new. I think it's a big loss, um, un- unexpected, and, yeah, I just hope the results are okay and it is sort of six to eight weeks rather than the bulk of the season because we're going to miss him. Um, we don't really have a, a natural replacement for him in the team against those, those bigger forwards that he that he takes. So I think he's going to be he's going to be a big loss for us this year for sure. I thought we had a pretty ready-made replacement in Schofield. Um, came in, he looked really rusty, especially the first half. But you know his second last game of AFL was you know, one of the games of his life against. Um, against Collingwood in the grand final. So it's a bit of a luxury, I think, to be able to bring him in and play him at fullback. Um, the issue I've got is with the, the depth after that, um, with the key position, with, with um, you know, McGovern doesn't really like to, to play on a, an opponent or you know, a, an opponent that's going to take his time. And you know, after that, we've really only got Harry Edwards and the Waffles, um, who we didn't talk about, but he's looked quite good the games I've seen him, but he's... Uh, you know, coming off the rookie list and probably not ready for AFL just yet. So you know, it might be a question of whether they start to um, throw Brander or Oscar Allen back a bit just to um, to get them in that mode in case they needed to um, needed to be called up. Interestingly, Allen, uh, we've seen him thrown back a fair few times. In fact, his first couple of games, he was almost exclusively played as a backman uh, last season. But towards the end of the game... Actually, in fact, it wasn't just this week. I'm trying to think. Perhaps it was the GWS game. Perhaps it was the Derby. I forget. But he certainly finished games in the back line this season. In the fourth quarter, I've had a look up, and he'll be down there at the centre bounce. So maybe that is something they'll look at and just try and address you know, a different in somewhere else along the field and just shift Allen from forward to the back line. While we're talking about the forward line... Uh, Miguel, I'll start with KK on this one because I know you're going to have a fair piece to say on it. Willie Rioli has been upgraded to four weeks out. Uh, he's had a similar foot injury to what Barras now appears to be suffering from. But he's a bloke that I think a lot of people, myself included, thought was primed for a huge year and perhaps a little bit more time up the field. So given that we're looking at getting Rioli back in hopefully around about a month, 
Uh, KK, what, what do you think that is going to do to the dynamic of the side, having a player of his calibre in there? Oh, God, we need him back so badly. <laughs> it's not funny. Uh, particularly noticeable in these, these games with less than ideal conditions. He's, he's so good with the ball on the ground. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a massive loss at the moment. Be nice to have him, nice to have him back in. I, I kind of worry the time it might take him to get up to up to speed. He has had sort of fitness and weight issues in the past, so not being able to to run for a period of time. Hopefully, that hasn't um, taken too much of a toll on his aerobic fitness. But yeah, can't wait for him to be back. He's one of my favourite players, and we have a huge <laughs> a huge gap at the moment in terms of. The, the small forwards aren't really doing the job. Well, Ryan was good on the weekend. Cripps has been pretty average. Um, and just having that extra dynamic to throw through the midfield from time to time is, yeah, we need him back. Yeah, absolutely. Quite badly. He was obviously on song in the JLT as well, and we were all getting pretty excited. I know on the eve of round one, I rewatched the grand final for the millionth time, and I actually noticed for the first time that uh, the final centre bounce of the game you know, everything's on the line, and Willie Rioli is in there for the Eagles. So, obviously, he's primed for a pretty big year. Now, Miguel, the floor is yours. I'm just going to get out of your way and let you uh, go for it here. He's listed at four weeks. You seem to have put your account on the line that he won't be back for a minimum of five weeks. So, over to you. What, what's your thinking there? And, uh, and yeah, just give us your thoughts on this general Rioli situation. Oh, my thinking at the time was he'd been, I think, five weeks for three weeks in a row um, and sort of it was looking like one of those ones where he wouldn't be back before the bye, really. Um, look, if he comes back uh, if he comes back earlier and that means the demise of me, then so be it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back. Um, I, I don't want us to rush him back. And um, part of my thinking as well was that we'd need... Uh, need to have a bit of a run in the waffle first for fitness uh, given that he um did he play he played jlt before he went out didn't he but then he's um you know he would have missed eight to ten weeks um and you know with a foot injury wouldn't have been able to run too much so probably need some game time in the waffle before he comes back in uh, and you know, part of my thinking was that the, the poster i made a bit with was suggesting he'd be back in the next week or two which was just ridiculous so um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we, we certainly need him back sooner rather than later, but we, we need him right before he comes back, so uh, we don't want to rush it. Part of the issue we've got at the moment, I think, is um, that we are in that sort of space that we were in towards the end of last year before Gaff got suspended, that we were um, trying to play seven midfielders when there's only spots for six or eight when there's only spot um, spots for seven, depending on how you count them, um, and uh, we're in that space now with where Gaff's come in, um, where Sheed's getting pushed out into the forward line and, and Yo's spending some time in the forward line, and um, it's just not, not working. So we, we need some some of the small forwards to start coming through. Uh, and I, I said in the changes thread, my initial changes had Maston out, and I, th- I think um, Matty Allen in, but I don't think that's going to help matters. I think... I think we need a forward, so we need someone like Venables or um, or Cameron or even Josh Smith showed he could he could play as sort of a, a defensive forward uh, in the Giants game, the one game he's played for us at AFL level so far. 
but we need one of those guys to start knocking on the door and, and demanding a spot because none of them are at the moment. Um, and without that, you know, if we drop a, if we drop a midfielder for another midfielder, then we're not really addressing that issue. Yeah, it was something Simo was pretty adamant about last season that we'd play the right mix of players and stop trying to force players into roles that they weren't suited at or, you know, get the get the composition a little bit wrong to try and maximise the, the particular individuals that we'd get in the side. So certainly we do want Rioli back. Uh, just a bit of clarification on what you said earlier. You mentioned that the poster in question said he'd be back in the next couple of weeks. Initially, round one, the poster in question suggested that he wasn't injured whatsoever and was only away for a family emergency uh, and would be back in round two. So your, um, your bet is quite a dangerous one, I will admit, but... Uh, the track record of your opposition probably tips the odds in your favour at this stage. I thought so. That's probably all for the injuries this week, fortunately. The other ones, uh, Waterman is listed as a test and should be fine from that hamstring. Nick Nat, obviously, we're still waiting on, but you know, from, from all we've heard, that seems to be fairly, you know, progressing fairly quickly or fairly promising. The other little bit of news out of the club this week, a little bit more positive, I suppose, than injuries, is the new Indigenous jersey has been revealed, or the jumper, or the Guernsey, or whatever you want to call it. The point is, you should be calling it fantastic, because it looks bloody mint. KK, I know you're a big fan of it. Uh, Lewis Jetta was modelling it yesterday, so make sure you all check out the photos if you've not seen that. But give us your impressions on what I would suggest is the best Indigenous jersey we've ever done. Oh, I concur, it's the best one we've done. Um, we've been pretty good over the years. I think particularly since we went back to the the current shade of blue from um, the white one, I think it's been really fantastic. So I love the previous one and this one with a kind of similar design but invoking more of the, the wings on the traditional Guernsey. I think they just sort of moulded the Indigenous and the traditional one together amazingly. I think it's awesome. I might even have to dip into the pocket and procure one for myself, I think. Super bright, blue looks great. The gold especially looks great. It's a real, it is a real gold and not a yellow, uh, which is which is quite nice. And I think a little bit of a flex as the premier's always good to get the gold on there. Miguel, your thoughts on the on the new indigenous jersey? Yeah, I liked it. I really like the old ones as well. But yeah, this is um, this is pretty good. I might have to uh, yeah join KK and getting my wallet out and getting one. Well, all, from now on, we'll just record every pod in the indigenous jersey. <laughs> Look, that's that's the, the housekeeping. That's the news. But now we're on to the big one. I feel like every game this season has been a big one, but this one, boy, it really stands out. Round six, we played Geelong Sunday at 2.40pm at GMHBA Stadium in Geelong, a place that it has to be said has been a pretty unhappy hunting ground for the Eagles. KK, you touched earlier on the MCG hoodoo being buried, and perhaps we've got a new one with the wet weather hoodoo, evidently. But... Uh, Playing at Cardinia Park, one of the old Cattery, it's uh, it's been yeah pretty pretty unhappy for the Eagles recently. Our last win there was in 2006, obviously a famous comeback win. Since 2000, one win, one draw, and nine losses in Geelong. Uh, so KK, we'll start with you, and I think the best place to start with is the changes. Geelong are a form team. Our effort last week was simply not good enough. So what are we going to do to try and reverse this trend of playing Geelong in Geelong? I think that trend says a lot about Geelong as well. They've been a good team for a long time and they don't lose many games down there to anyone. So we're probably in no worse a boat than other teams. And I'm, I'm sure if the likes of Collingwood or Richmond or Essendon had to play down there, they'd probably have a record about as bad as ours is. So 
In terms of the changes, I thought I'd start with the guys that I think need a spell from the team on the weekend. So uh, I'd take out Maston. I'm not going to join in a personal pile on the bloke, but I think um, he's the one that gets squeezed out in the midfield at the moment. And I think where we're playing him and the role we're asking him to do is having negative impacts on other players, Gaff and Sheed being played in not their best positions. And Masson just he doesn't bring enough to the team to warrant that impact being felt elsewhere. Vardy has been pretty rubbish all season, I think. Um, I'd be taking him out. And I thought Schofield was... Um, yeah, he mentioned on our rival podcast that he had a pretty ordinary game when he came back into the waffle and he had another ordinary game when he was a late in in the AFL team. So I'd take those three out. I like having Brander in as a replacement for Schofield. I think he's really super talent. He's in form. Um, I'd have him ahead of Rotham just because Geelong have between Stanley and Radicalia, one of those two is going to be in the forward line along with Hawke. And so they're not – their talls are big are big guys. They're not, they don't play that many talls, but their talls are big. And I think I think Brand is going to be a better matchup for one of them than Rotham. I also think Allen may be spending some time down back, and I like the flexibility of being able to move those two around. Well, we've seen Brand play on a wing at times as well. I originally had Allen – Matt Allen in for, for Maston, but I think Venables, despite his lack of form, is a better fit for that. And if Sheed's going to move into more inside traditional midfield role for him, Venables is the guy who's shown he can play that sort of half-forward role with limited touches and still have an impact. And then for the last in, I'm probably going to see what the weather does, and I'll be tossing up between either Brooksby as a direct replacement for Vardy or bringing Josh Rotherham in. Um, and then Alan probably is stays forward and is the chop out in the ruck. So come at me. <laughs> uh, 17 degrees, 10% chance of rain is the current forecast for Geelong for Sunday. So, I mean, not maybe not a picturesque day to be at the footy, but certainly from a conditions point of view, it shouldn't impact things too much. Miguel, uh, we'll go back over to you now for your changes for the week. Obviously, we've touched on it in the waffle. There are a few guys putting their hands up. So who do you think comes in and out of the squad for the Geelong game? Yeah, I sort of went about it a similar way. Uh, um, Vardy, I think, is the one at the moment that is really offering very little. Um, Seems to be in pretty poor form and and is replaceable, Uh, whether that's Brooksby or whether they want to start playing Oscar Allen as the second ruck because um, he's been, his form's dropped right away as that sort of third tall forward option. Um, I know we haven't really gone with uh, a makeshift second ruckman for quite a while now, but if there's a team to do it against, I think it's Geelong because their ruck division's um, relatively weak. You know, Stanley's all right and... Radical ear is sort of a, he's a pinch hitter as well, so I think this is a game where you could throw Oscar Allen in, um, sort of relying on Hickey to to um, take a bit more of the first ruck duties than he has been. So hopefully he would be up to that. Um, but yeah, I don't think the the combination of Hickey, Vardy, and Oscar Allen is working. I think we need to drop one of those three and 
whether it's Vardy or Allen, my preference would be Vardy. Uh, coming in for them, I'd have well, coming in for Vardy, I'd have Brander. Um, a bit of a reward for effort. If he comes in, I think he needs to come in for uh, three or four weeks at a minimum. We can't keep sort of bringing him in for these um, you know, tough away games. He's had poor blokes had, I think, what Sydney at the SCG last year, then Brisbane at the Gabba this year where we were thrashed. And um, if you bring him in for you know, Geelong and Geelong and we're thrashed and you drop him again, then I don't know. If you drop him ahead of Gold Coast as well at home, yeah, Paul Bugger's not even played at home yet. Yeah, then you wouldn't blame him for packing his bags and going back to Victoria at that point, um, contract or not. But yeah, I, I bring this week um, for Vardy, uh, and uh, otherwise, I, I touched on it before, I th- I'm not liking the combination we've got in the midfield. I think one of them needs to go, but um, and for a forward... Um, but none of the forwards really. Um, KK talked about bringing Venables in, but I think he's been dropped for a reason, uh, been sent back to work on something, and it's not looking like he's, uh, his form's getting any better back there. So, yeah, I, I can't see... If if we'd bring any of the three guys that I mentioned before in, I think it'd be Josh Smith. Um, so maybe Smith for Maston, but I don't know. I'd maybe give the, the current unit one last try. Uh, and in the back line, I think Schofield had a pretty average first up effort um, in his first game back. But uh, to me, he's the, the logical matchup for Hawkins. Um, so I wouldn't be uh, making any changes to the, the back line that aren't forced. Um, yeah, I think um, Schofield takes Hawkins. McGovern probably takes Radical Ear when he's down there. Uh, and yeah, so Rotham misses out again. Yes, Simpson. I think talked about backing in the guys that you know, backing in the guys that are in the team at the moment to turn this around, and I think we do that for one more week, and you know, if we turn in another performance like we did, uh, then it might be time for. Yeah, we're we're creeping in. I mean, look, it's only round five, but there's certainly you know a little bit of discomfort rippling through the the Eagles community at the moment. Um, look, you touched on easiest one straight away, Schofield. Yep. He's got to stay in despite a, a somewhat shaky return because, as you touched on, Hawkins, uh, it's a logical matchup, and I wouldn't be considering putting Rotham on Hawkins at this stage of his career. Certainly, I wouldn't be putting McGovern on Hawkins either. So, Scoey will be in the team for the foreseeable future, you'd have to say. Uh, I, I put in my changes a Ruckman, and I'm not particularly bothered as to which because, look, Vardy's had the worst season for sure, but I am a little bit concerned about Hickey just because of how immobile he is and, and the. Geelong rucks are fairly athletic and they can get on their bike a little bit. So um, if I had to put a name on it, I'd say drop Vardy, but either or I could probably live with. Uh, so we're dropping Vardy, let's say, and uh, we'll bring in Jared Brander. I didn't I didn't initially have this. Uh, the challenge I've had is that I find all of the changes still make our team really bloody tall. So if that is something that you subscribe to, then there's no real fix to it. But uh, Brander's got to come in. As you say, Miguel, let's reward him for a bit of form and hopefully continue to give him a crack, you know, once we come back this side of the Nullarbor. Uh, I will also drop Chris Marston and bring in Matt Allen, uh, Oscar Allen to pinch hit in the ruck, as you touched on as well. I don't think they need to go in swinging the axe or anything, so just the two changes for me. But uh, they certainly want a response out of some, some particular individuals in the side, and I think somebody like Matt Allen, you know, he's started his career as a bit of a forward, so maybe he's got the ability to push up and, and help Sheed come back into the middle as well. KK, 
Geelong are the form side of the comp. They're four wins and one loss. Their only loss was a very close one to GWS. In Geelong, though, has, you know, give us a little bit of hope in that department. But what what do you expect out of the game? Before we get into tips and the like, you know, what are you expecting? Where do you think this game's going to be won? Because Geelong have been putting on a couple of really good shows in the last couple of weeks. Just want, want a response and some effort, really. I think if... Um, I think we're a bit like the uh, the Sydney game last year where we did end up losing that game, but we went in really depleted on a ground that we just never seemed to win win on. And although we lost, I thought we everyone had a crack in all night, and I, I hope we get that. I think they're beatable, as GWS showed. I mean, they lost Calvin Ward, I think, before half-time in that game and still managed to beat them. And this year, the upsets are coming thick and fast, so... Why not us? But I think I really want I want the effort. My worst nightmare is a repeat of 2013, was it? It was Warsfold last year. We went down there and I think we kicked three goals for the whole game and just were flogged from pillar to post. So I don't want I don't want visions of that coming back. But I think we'll be I think we'll keep them honest for sure. We have to. Yeah, I was at that game and I think we kicked four goals in the first quarter and that had a point in the last three quarters. That was a really, really terrible game. Mm, yeah, that was farcical. Um, and I went to another game a couple of years ago, and uh, and I think Badge was there as well. I was. We also lost that one. It was the first time I went to Geelong. I will say on that game, though, uh, obviously Nat Nui was in the side, but we got down... I mean, look, nobody go back and check the box score because this might be completely wrong. This is just me you know, going off the memory. But uh, I feel like we got down fairly significantly and then made a somewhat Nick Nat-inspired charge back, which was... Not enough in the end, but I feel like we actually, you know, in terms of keeping them honest, that was certainly wasn't a walk over that game. Um, but Miguel, look, yeah, you've obviously got a bit of experience watching the Eagles play in Geelong. So, w- what do we have to expect this week? Yeah, I think if we if we had a performance like that, um, I'd be happy. Um, where we actually, yeah, where we keep them honest, um, yeah, a performance like the 2013 one, if it was 2013, where um, yeah, we just lay down and die. We'll yeah, be real swinging the axe time after that. Uh, yeah, it's a difficult ground to play at. It's quite narrow, uh, you know, and we've shown, I think, recently that you know, anything that sort of affects our game plan, like you know, the weather or the, the size of the ground, really throws us out. So yeah, hopefully we, we are able to adapt to that. But, yeah, just uh, just a contest, I suppose. Um, not expecting a win from this one, and I suppose we'll get to tips, but, yeah, not expecting a win, but... Um, yeah, want to see them take the fight up to, to Geelong and um, yeah, at least make an effort out of it. If we see a game like we saw uh, against Brisbane in round one or against uh, Port Adelaide last week, then yeah, it'll be real alarm bells. I'll lead off with the tips this week uh, and a change from my usual behaviour. I'm going to tip against the Eagles. I don't see how you couldn't. Uh, it breaks my heart, but here we are. So I think that Geelong will win. We've all touched on it's a bit of a tough ground to play at and we've not had a great deal of success there historically. So let's say Geelong win by 24 points. Uh, in terms of the best eagle afield, it's a bit tough because he's not in the side, but I'd love to see somebody like Jared Brander just really get a hold of the game. Uh, I don't know if he'll be the best, but I'd, I'd really like to see him make an impact and come in. Uh, I'm also looking for a response out of Darling. Now, KK, you mentioned earlier that your predictions might not be off to a flyer. Well, what about Jack Darling for best and fairest? How how buried is that one five weeks into the year? So hopefully you can do me proud and uh, 
you know, make my preseason prediction look a little less ridiculous and, and come out with a nice game because he's been really quiet this year. So Geelong will win it for mine and hopefully we can get a response out of our forwards along the way, though. Uh, KK, your tips? Well, since I seem to get everything wrong, I may as well just tip West Coast. So I'll take us in a close one. Uh, three points. Famous victory that um, gets our season back on track. And I'm picking Elliot Yo to be our best because he's been really flat. And for a guy who back-to-back BMF winner should have been All-Australian last year, we we need a lot more out of him. I know he had an interrupted pre-season. I'm, I'm cutting in some slack for that. But now's the time we need likes of him and Shibby to really stand up in this game. So fingers crossed he does be proud. Miguel? Um, I'll tip against us because uh, so far every tip I've made on this podcast has been wrong. So hopefully I continue that by tipping Geelong by uh, 19 points. Uh, and I think our best, I was going to say Schofield because I, I think if he can blanket Hawkins, that'll go a long way to helping us. Um, but I'll go with uh, Shuey. If we're going to win a game, um, then he's going to stand up and um, be the real driving force in the midfield. So I'll go with him. Very good. Uh, well, we need a response. The whole board, indeed, most of the state, I would suggest, is clamouring for a response. So regardless of what the scoreboard says at the end of the game, I think we really need to see a big lift from the Eagles this week, and hopefully they will deliver in round six. Question time. Quick one. Pretty short one for us this week. So... As we've touched on, it's been a somewhat disappointing start to the year despite the record 3-2. and two. We're still in the 8. It's been a bit of a scrappy year, hard to read so far. KK, I'll start with you. Um, pre-season, your predictions for the Eagles. Have you, have you updated them in any way? Uh, and if you have, what constitutes a pass mark for 2019 now? I think I had a second at the end of the home and away season on my prediction. I'm just clinging to that because I'm stubborn. But if we if we lose this week, it's it's going to be tough. Three losses in the first six rounds. Um, you've got to go pretty well the rest of the season, even in a what's shaping up to be a very even season. Yes, it's fair to say I I, I don't think we're going to we're going to hit those those heights. I think we there's enough warning signs that we are going to have a bit of a drop back from last year. Uh, but doesn't mean that we won't be there when the whips are cracking in the final start. In terms of what constitutes a pass mark, it's, I always find that question a bit, a bit difficult, especially when you're coming off a premiership. Yeah, there's only one way to go, which is down. Um, I think I'll be happy the rest of the season as long as we get the effort every week and the club showing that it's flexible and adapting and learning from any mistakes they're making across the board and we're continuing to develop and and bring new players through. I think that's that's the key to sustainable success, not just wins and losses. So really, I just want to see the evidence of, of that. That'll be a pass mark for me. If we keep doing the same thing uh, like we do on the port game, whatever conditions or circumstances are in our favour, then that will be a fail for me. So I think I had in our in our initial podcast, I think I had us finishing fourth. Uh, I had a few concerns about the schedule and, you know, just some things cropping up that can throw a spanner in the works and things like this Barass injury, the Rioli injury, you know, these these are the things I'm thinking of. Uh, 
hopefully, we don't have a timeline on Barassa's injury, but having a look at our schedule, it doesn't look like, a, you know, there could have been worse times that he could have gone out, you know, if it is only a 6-8, something like that, weak injury. Uh, we're coming up on a, a stretch of our schedule where we really would want to start banking some wins. Now, you touched on how even the season is, and, and as we're recording this, Richmond are currently up against Melbourne in a fairly scrappy game. Looks like they'll get over the top of them, 53-35. Bloody brilliant. So everybody seems to be fairly on par. The bad teams seem to be able to take it up to the good teams, and we haven't seen too many blowouts. As long as the Eagles can stay there or thereabouts, and then they get that late-season injection, fingers crossed, of a Tom Barras and a Nick Natanui coming back in, I'm really hoping that... Uh, as long as they're thereabouts in the four towards the end of the season, they can make that push into the top four. And basically, once we're in the finals, if we're halfway healthy, I wouldn't be tipping against us unless there was a real drop-off in form uh, for the rest of the year. Miguel, what's a pass mark for you in 2019, and have you revised your expectations for this season uh, as opposed to where they were ahead of the year? It's really dangerous talking about a late-season injection. Uh, even after we've had a pretty clean 10 or 12 years, there's still people who will jump on that. Yeah, I retract that. Um, yeah. um, look, I, I think a pass mark is still a prelim final berth. Um, that was that was my call at the start of the year. I'm not going away from that. Um, I think if we... It's looking a lot shakier now. Um, but, yeah, as you said, if we can uh, keep banking wins like the Derby where... You know, before we've found our form and um, then you know, find it, get a few people back in the second half of the year, then we can still push for that in a, in a pretty even season. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not changing my prediction. Um, and what I want to see is, yeah, a top four berth. Um, it is pretty even. Um, it's We've got the uh, what should be a good advantage of um, uh, Optus Stadium. Um, we haven't got a terrible draw, so yeah, I think we, we should be able to do that, but we need to start finding the effort and the hunger, and uh, players need to be reminded, I think, that you know, just because they got to the top of the mountain last year, there's you know, they, they still should want to do that again um, and you know, get a premiership for the guys like uh, you know, Gaff, Shepard, Matt Nui, uh, Petrocelli now, Allen, that didn't get one last year. Well, there is no better time to mount the charge than now, playing up against the Ladder leading Geelong this week. Hopefully the Eagles can go across there in their nice private chartered plane and uh, you know put on a really good showing and, and get the season really back on track. It's not the end of the world at the minute, but uh, a big win in Geelong would be a very good statement and would get us straight back into the top four. We do need to get the arrogance back and flying across in a private jet is a good way to start that, I think. There and back, baby. Living large. Uh, that'll probably do us for this week. KK, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, and even though it was a bit of a frustrating week, I think the curse is finally broken. So you're welcome back any time. Thanks, guys. Um, hope to chat again next week. We can celebrate the famous win. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, Miguel, good as always. Thanks very much. And hopefully we have a little bit more luck than we've had in your recent endeavours in Geelong. Yep. Um, would be great to get a um, get another win down there. Um, for the first time since 2006. And, yeah, hopefully we've got me for a bit longer than the next four weeks, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a win-win for us, to be honest, because either Rioli comes back and everybody's wrapped or, you know, the podcast lives to fight another day. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For now, let's just look forward to the game at Geelong. Best of luck to the Eagles this week. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will see you in the thread. Any questions, as always, just drop them below. 
Uh, thanks very much, guys, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Go Eagles.